1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of this episode of MOVE. Jamie, are you ready? Dude, I'm always ready. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to
2: be inspired, which is our word that we love to use. Let's do this. Part two of MOVE. If you want to be an archaeologist, if you want to be a lawyer, I, I I I agree that you need to go and get a degree, and you need to you need to follow that certain route, and you need to follow logic in a sense. But actually, experience there's nothing like experience. And actually, every this sort of current day where everyone can go and get a degree, actually, life experience is so much more. It, it, it's because with with risk, right? If you do you think you're limited then? Sometimes in life, if you if you're worrying about if you want to achieve something, but then you worry about something else, do you think that limits you to achieve what you can achieve? Do you think sometimes you just have to go, forget everything that's
3: happening on the side and just go for it yourself? It all comes back to this inner voice of doubt. I think there will always be a little inner voice going, I you know, "you shouldn't do this." So let's. So Everest was the last thing that I did. If if I hadn't got to the summit. That would have affected me I, I would have, I wouldn't have gone it wouldn't be that I was back to square one, but my all this work that I've done over the last 20 years to kind of build up my own confidence would have been deeply affected. and that was a huge risk you know that really was a risk the chances of me successfully getting to the top of that mountain were, were were pretty slim really i'm you know i'm not it's not my natural field um mountaineering altitude i went with victoria pendleton who who sadly had to had to abandon her attempt and it's it, it's it's kind of hit and miss so if we use that as an example i will still carry on taking risks and, and there are varying degrees so you, let's say you've written a book and it's done very well mm. writing the next one is a risk because if it doesn't do so well you're only as good as as your last <laughs> product as your last book or, or the last thing that you but did is in that, some ways is that
2: fear though is that fear compared to risk? Yeah. Where, where actually you're you're going? Well, I, if I don't achieve as well as a second, that's fear. And actually, fear sometimes gets in the way of everything. Mm-hmm. Where you, people, a lot of people, fear the fact that they're not going to achieve something, so they won't do it. And yeah. I don't, I don't think you have any fear in you at all. You
3: just go, oh, screw it, i will just go and do it. But, but you're completely right. That's the, the, this is this inner voice. So, so the risk is it genuine? If, if you write a second follow-up book to a very successful one, is that really a risk? Is it really going to ruin your life if you? If, if I decide next year to do another big challenge and it doesn't work out, does that really ruin my whole life? No, of course it doesn't it's like an Olympian, if you've won if, if you've won a gold medal and then the next year you don't, yes you'll be bitterly <laughs> humiliated and, but and still, disappointed still a gold medalist. but you're still a gold medalist
1: But it seems Ben, when when you talk that I kind of get the impression that you're very considered about the projects that you do take on or the, or the, the adventures or the risks you do want to take what what things have you done, perhaps that have failed or didn't work out, and and you do you look how do you look back on
3: this? Like everyone, there's been things you know. I've I've written books that have kind of bombed. I, I don't really highlight them now. Yeah, there, there <laughs> can we highlight TV, them? There, there, are, there are TV shows that I've you know did in my early years that I'm not particularly proud of. They, they, yeah. they wouldn't be on my CV. <laughs> I tell you I'll tell you one story. I was I, I was traveling. I made a documentary a couple of years ago out in Africa with a charity that I work with called Tusk, and uh, and I was travelling with Prince William and, and Prince Harry, and we were in the middle of the Okavanga Delta in Botswana, middle of nowhere, and one of the one of the local guides, a Botswanan, came up to the. I was actually with William at the time, came up and went. <gasps> he'd recognised one of us and I was pretty certain it was uh, was William and he went, Ben Fogle, I love watching you on Cash in the Attic. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, this is kind of, this is a bit humiliating, a bit embarrassing, kind of cool, everything in one. But I, you know, but that, that's an example, you know, doing that show, I'm, I, it, it's a great show, it brought great pleasure to lots of people. Would it be something that I was, proud of and would put on my cv not necessarily but i also think even those things that 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 weren't necessarily in your at at the top of your choice list um good things come from it going back to like failure because that wasn't failure that was just kind of doing things Things that that, that, that don't necessarily suit who i am but yes of course there have been moments of of failure of I, i in fact my wife and i Tried to bring out a, a, a snack product. I know you guys have have your candy kittens, and uh, and I wanted to bring out a kind of slightly more nutritious health snack, an alternative to the granola bar that you know a lot of the breakfast cereal ones. They're, they're just not particularly healthy for you. They're, they're not particularly tasty. And I live on those things. Yeah. When I when I'm on big expeditions, you, you need to have. Convenience. You need to have convenience, and uh, and we found all the investment. You know, we put everything in. We got an amazing team together, and for about three or four years, it was a hard slog, and and it failed in the end. It 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 didn't work out, which is why I have huge respect for any small businesses that do work. I think. I think that gave me a a great insight into the hard work because everyone sees that finished product. Everyone will, you know, everyone will look at you Jamie and they'll go look well done, you know, but but you know, it, it must have been quite sure it's easy it, 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 you it, had it. all you had all the help, you it, had totally. you had all the money that you needed, you had the profile, but actually people don't fully realize that that beneath that calm exterior are those furious paddling duck, uh, feet. duck feet and and I kind of, it's what I try to reiterate to people that it's like smoke and mirrors lots of life. You know, people think that everything is easy. That there's an assumption that the grass is always greener. You look at the next lawn and it looks greener than yours. It looks neater than yours. But there's a lot of work that's gone into it. You know, can you imagine the the amount of fertilizer that's been used and, and manure that's gone on there and and the careful mowing? and 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 that's the thing that I try to reiterate people. Yes, I climbed Everest. I, I spent three years working towards it. Yes, I rode the Atlantic. Do you know how much work James and I put into that? Trying to get enough money, we didn't even get the money. We we had to half finance it ourselves. And I think it's really important to be honest in life and to not let, especially youngsters, um, be um, uh, almost duped into thinking that you can that everything is easy and you can have things at the click of the fingers. And
1: and that. To, to sort of, I don't want to dwell on it too much, perhaps, but that that kind of the business that you and your wife started, mm. what was it, do you think that when you look back, could you have done it differently? Or were there things, where were the lessons that you learned? there?
3: I think it's, uh, there's lots of lessons, but then we'd be going down a, a proper business model, and I could sit down with you and talk to you ages. Yeah, I, I yeah. learned a lot. And if we did it again, we'd do it very, very differently. But what I really discovered, um, I don't want to get onto a rant here, but was... The power of the big businesses, the power of yeah. the supermarkets, the power of of the people who are ultimately going to sell it. Listen, if, if, if I sold it through my website, I could flog yeah. a couple. I could set up a little stall on Portobello Road near me. Uh, it was a good product. It was tasty. Yeah. It was it, it, it did what we wanted. But that's just half the battle. Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing if, if we if we take the the business model there with an expedition, a lot of people don't realize the hard work that goes into just getting to the start line. So rowing the Atlantic was one thing, but just getting that boat and all of the equipment and having it all at that start line was easily half of James and my battle. Yep. Same when we went to the South Pole, just raising the money, getting ourselves in shape, getting the team around us was so hard. And the same goes for a product. You you will have your you know your your um, sweets in the bag, and everyone will go. That's amazing, but but how do you actually make that then work? Absolutely, and yeah. uh, and I think that's a metaphor for life. You might have a great voice, you might be the most amazing singer, but how do I take this amazing singer, or how do I take this great footballer, and make sure that they're seen by the right people, and that that they can follow that path of success and part of that is down to luck let's be honest it, it happened it, it I hate to say it but it is part of Definitely it is how it. you know and part of it is really hard work and part of it is having a great product or, or a great idea and and that's what I've learned in life is that you need to have all of those if I was to do that that snack product again yes I, I would change quite a lot of what we did what's interesting is now there's millions of versions of what we did yeah, come I up say, with but it always a little, happens a little because, bit early. <laughs> but we were just i think we were a little bit early i think we were sure. a bit ambitious with how we did it but i don't have any regrets i'm, I'm a bit disappointed that the investment that came in we we, we didn't Make work, but that's that's the the risk uh, of business.
2: But I also think, Ben, with you, I don't think you uh, ever think you fail as well. Like like lot, and that's the the great thing about people who have that constant drive. Nothing's a failure; everything's a learning curve. So you've learned from everything you've done, whether it's cash in the attic or you. And also, you're not, which is so important. You're not embarrassed or ashamed of your past in Mm -hmm. any way whatsoever. Whatever you've done, Uh, you know. there's a lot of stigma around being posh and being mm. posh in television. You know, you go, one well, posh. Same as me. I always say, you know, that. we go, you, we educate as well, all these different things, and no one's ever ashamed of us in any way. You kind of say where you're from. And I think for you, perhaps, if I was going to I reckon your hardest challenge you had to do ever, you've climbed Everest, you've done the Atlantic, you've done, you've, Done the you know the poles North Pole you've done it was the North Pole right South, South. South Pole you've done all these things but you spoke about dyslexia I reckon for you writing a book was probably your
3: biggest mm, yeah. challenge it really it really was I've, I've written nearly fifteen books to date and and that, they really are some of my proudest achievements I love writing totally. I love writing I, I find it so beautiful that you can take all these words and you can turn them into something really lyrical or really poetic or really empowering and. You know, to go back to your <coughs> failure thing, well, one of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill, that success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And uh, and and for me, though, you, you're right, writing that very first book, it, it was in 2001, and I wrote a book called The Tea Time Islands, which is a travel book. I traveled to um, the kind of remotest islands that still belong to, that are still part of of, of the empire almost. So Tristan de Cunha and Saint Helena, or all these really wild, remote islands, the Falklands. Weren't you held in captive in one of them? I was. Uh, I was arrested on Pitcairn Island. It's <laughs> yeah. one of the hardest places to reach in <laughs> the world. You took a it's, private yacht. Did it's it's where all like... it's where all the mutineers from the Bounty settled, and uh, they're still all the direct descendants of Christian Fletcher. And I was I was arrested and <laughs> deported forty minutes after arriving. It took the whole trip. Took <laughs> (laughs) about six weeks it was quite humiliating to be honest but it it made a great chapter in the book but you're right writing that first book and being nominated for travel awards was I I was so proud of that and I'm still every time I I publish a book I I think I, I burst with pride because I never thought I would ever reach that position where I could actually Write a book that would be um, good enough to be to be published. Do
2: you know, that that is so important, right? Because and people looking at you would say, like I said before, they would say, "Well, that's the hardest thing you don't climb ever." But for you, it isn't. You that's just what I want to do because that seems like fun and an adventure and all those different things. And actually. Your biggest challenge is one of your proudest moments writing the book. And for some people, they go, well, that's the easiest moment. But actually, that's you putting totally yourself outside of your comfort zone. And it's so important for people to recognize and be self-aware of what makes them feel comfortable and what doesn't make them feel comfortable and for them to step outside of their comfort zone. How important is it for you in life to step outside your comfort
3: zone? Do you think it's important to do that? Well, I think you become complacent otherwise. I think yeah. we, we've got it pretty good right now. I know the world is slightly polarized and, and politically unstable all across the world, but ultimately consumerism, which is kind of destroying the planet, but I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to get into the negatives of that right now, but. We've got it pretty good, don't we? I mean, uh, we, we, society is, has provided a a pretty comfortable backdrop, not for everyone. A lot of people are are struggling financially, but, but ultimately compared to those that were living um, just after World War Two, for example, with, with rationing and, 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 Really struggling in life we've got it pretty good right now, and I think a lot of people just don't realize that so there's a lot of NHS bashing now I know that NHS is underfunded they're struggling and 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 you know I, I feel terrible for those that don't get the treatment as quickly as they want but all you need to do, those who are complaining, spend a little bit of time in some African nations, some South American nations and see what countries that that don't have access to a national health service experience. Go to the United States of America and have a look at the queues that turn up when when the Red Cross or the Salvation Army sets up a little medical tent and there are queues um, three days long for people to get treatment. We... we, we 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 have an amazing health service. I, I and don't get me wrong, I know that it's underfunded, and we need to we need to sort it out. But but sometimes you need to take yourself away to look back at what we do have. And I'm just using that as one example. For me, I've got a a, a really comfortable life. I've got a beautiful wife. I've, I've got a family I love. I've got a, a, a lovely house. I've kind of got everything that I ever dreamed of. But there's a tendency that if you just sit there and kind of you you don't fully appreciate what you have. Sometimes you need to just step away from it.
1: I suppose the travel. I mean, did I read that you've been to over 100 countries?
3: Do you know, I've kind of lost count now. I mean, I I, I I do. do, Well, so so a show that I do now um, called New Lives in the Wild. In fact, the new series begins beginning of January. That takes me away a huge amount. Over since I began the series, we've made sixty now, so that's sixty different countries yeah. in itself. And uh, and travel has been a huge part of who I am.
1: And that affords you that great perspective, I suppose, to be able to to make that link. That actually, we've mm-hmm. got it pretty good.
3: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I think the most important. The most important learning I've ever had in life is meeting other people and, yeah. and, and going to other places, meeting other cultures, understanding how other people choose to live. Other people are forced to live. And and for me, it's given me great perspective on this country. And, <clears> and there's a lot of whinging, and a lot of complaining about this country. But I, I really, as someone who's traveled a lot, and I, and I will be attacked for just saying that because people will say, well, I have no idea. Uh, p- people say that I'm, uh, I'm disconnected with the reality of this country. I, I, I would beg to differ. I, I, I've done a huge amount of filming in Great Britain as well, and I've travelled to every single corner. I, I I'm not a just because my accent sounds <laughs> like I'm I'm a a, a a Londoner living in a bubble. I, I really do understand quite a lot of the nuts and bolts of this country. But it's more through my overseas experience that has given me, I think, quite a good insight into society.
0: To find out if it's right
3: for you. generally,
2: but also, Ben. Speaking of health, right? You've also been through times where your health hasn't been so good, and you're probably your most famous size when you got the skin eating disease, and you had to drink poison. In order, and the poison normally makes people not walk or, or for 2 years and you were back on your feet
3: in 5 days. How, what was that? What is it the disease called? It's called It's called leishmaniasis. Yeah, I picked it up while make I was <laughs> doing an expedition. Bad. I was doing an expedition series for the BBC and I was in Peru. And I, I, I contracted yeah, th- this this flesh-eating bug, and the only way to treat it is chemotherapy. So it's it's a, a kind of a metallic compound that you you get in your um, it's called an infusion. Uh, so you, so I would go not far from from where we're doing this podcast actually, just up the road on Tottenham Court Road to the School of Tropical Diseases. I'd have to go in there every day for three weeks and lie in a bed for a couple of hours while I uh, I, I I had my my chemical therapy and it it, I can't say it was the happiest three weeks it was pretty bleak but I also uh, I like to look for silver linings from from every experience like that and actually it was shortly after doing that that what I um, ended up making a show for the BBC called make me a new face while I was in the school of tropical diseases I I met a a man from Ethiopia who was missing half his face And he'd contracted a disease called Noma. Very similar effects, but um, it's actually um, started by malnutrition. And it eats away at the skin. And uh, I ended up being invited by a team of plastic surgeons from Great Ormond Street Hospital to go out to Ethiopia. And we spent six months following young children as their faces were reconstructed with plastic surgery. And it was one of the most profound... Life-changing experiences. It, it it moved me to tears seeing these children have their lives transformed over the course of a, a couple of weeks. And uh, so, when you talk of ill health in something like leishmaniasis, I, I, I don't I don't dwell on it because I was still so lucky. I got access to the treatment. A little a little uh, kind of conclusion to that story is that actually, the day after finishing my treatment, I perhaps foolishly, went off to Antarctica to spend seven weeks walking to the South Pole. So I didn't give my body time to recover. So when we reached the South Pole, all the all the wounds, I've still got big scars on me, opened up again. And I came back home and rather than celebrating, I had to go back into hospital for another three weeks of uh, <laughs> of got, chemical therapy. So it, do you know what? Well, you got frostbite and hypothermia out there, didn't you? I, I kind of... I, I, I like to... I like to think that all of those scars uh, are a kind of battle scars from life. I, th- I think they're they're little reminders of of what I've done and where I've been. But again with you Ben what's so great is that even
2: though you were sitting in the the hospital unit for tropical diseases, again what you do is you 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 find an avenue out of there. So without your journey leading you there, you wouldn't have then gone and done that documentary and, that, and, and moved you so much and, and experienced so much like that. I think the biggest thing which I, so we've come across, and what everyone has, you mentioned at the beginning, is the voice in your head. And mm. what you didn't explain is how you actually quieten the, down that voice because I think Ed and I and everyone has a voice, whether that voice is negative or, posi- mm-hmm. or, or positive, telling you can't achieve things. How do you quieten it?
3: I think it's interesting what you say there because sometimes that voice can can go the other way like you say it can be too positive. Totally. And and I think that translates into extreme arrogance and and I think there's a tendency a lot of people in the public eye sometimes they they get swept up by that own voice of um uh the 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 the, the voice that's congratulating them. So it's it's somehow trying to not silence it completely but just turn it down so you're always aware of it you're always respectful of it and and for me it's absolute focus so I think it, it varies from time to time how I do it so on Everest for example I knew I had put in enough training I knew I was capable ah, for okay. that mountain so when the voice was shouting at me you shouldn't be here you're you're unexperienced you're going to fall down a crevasse I just I I Laser like thought about the other experiences. I I, I focused on what I had done, other experiences, and that that sort of silenced it. The same goes for if you're doing an interview like this and you're sitting there and it's kind of going, You're you're not prepared, you don't know what to ask next, you 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 um you're not good enough for this. You just think, no, actually I have prepared. I've got a whole series of questions in my mind. So it's it's about preparation. Claire Boulding said it very well. It's one of the reasons she did so beautifully in the 2012 Olympic Games, you could tell the difference between those presenters um, who had prepared, who had read, who understood every single nuance, and those who just winged it, those who just turned up and just thought, yeah, I'll I'll get through this, just with my enthusiasm and my excitement. And what I've realized over the years is you have to put in the hard work, you have to put in the research, you have to put in um, the planning, the the preparation. And and for me, that's also how I, I silence that. That voice that's telling me um, I am ill-prepared by being prepared. But then how do you quieten the voice that tells you? Because I think you probably have that sometimes where you think you're
2: not good enough. Mm-hmm. And and because you can be fully prepared, you can have done the training, you can do all those different things, but that voice saying, Well, you're not good enough, almost an imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. And a lot of people would
3: experience that. How do you quieten that voice? Well, that that comes back to kind of the conclusion mm-hmm. of the whole conversation we've had. It's that's the last 20 years of my life since I went onto that island have been building the armament, the ammunition so that I can go, well, actually, do you know what? I did do this and I have done that. And I have, I did succeed at doing that. And I have been able to do this. And, and I, I go through all of those things that I have been successful and that I have achieved. And, and that's, that's my way of science. It doesn't mean it's not there. I think it will always be there, but I also think that that's part of human nature. I think it's not surprising that. That society is suffering a, a kind of mental health epidemic now because a lot of people um, don't don't have the tools to control that that inner voice and and for me I think it's one of the reasons why I think my the next stage of my life is sharing my own experiences trying to translate some of those wilderness experiences and and some of the expeditions that I've done into everyday life and maybe sharing with other people the benefits of um, of spending a little bit more time in the wilderness, the benefits of of sometimes just turning social media and and, and, and and cutting off from from the outside world. Because I think a lot of people, I know it sounds very easy—you just turn everything off—but a lot of people are a little bit too fearful of doing that.
1: Mm. Before we started recording, Ben, you mentioned that you and your family do a lot of travelling together as well, and you're you're going away for for New Year, I think this year. What? Is that obviously an important part, presumably, of the way you want to bring up your children? But when you think about those challenges and the mental health um, landscape that your children are growing up in, how do you prepare them for that? And what kind of advice
3: do you do you give them as they grow up? I'm quite fearful of it, really. I I think when you look at when you look at a medium like social media, um, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that has on youngsters and. You know, when when I was starting out in this business, it didn't really exist. So, so I didn't really have, you know, I just had kind of mean-spirited journalists occasionally writing snide comments, but I didn't have a barrage um, of of trolling that that lots of people experience today. And when when I see my young children who are not that they're, they're they're um not online at all yet, I, I am slightly fearful of how they're going to navigate through that. That world. But I think I'm arming <clears throat> them with, I'm, I'm arming them the way I was armed, which is with just a good, healthy moral compass about what's right, and what's wrong in life. And, and reminding them that there will always be critics, there will always yeah. be naysayers, there will always be bullies that, that, that is life. There's seven or eight billion of us on this planet that, that you know, it's a dog eat dog world. But as long as you remain true to your own spirit, as long as you remain true to your own values, actually, I, I think you can just soldier on with your head held high. If you're, if you're confident about, if you're confident about your spirit, and this uh, uh, I'm not going to go too spiritual now, but I really do feel <laughs> mm, if, I, if, I, if you if you, if you are confident that your spirit is set right anyone can can throw whatever they want at you but it's part of that armor that I talked about that yeah. that I've kind of put up on myself and it's not very thick I, you know I still get stung by criticism but i I stand tall with with my ethics and and my social conscience and uh, and, and I think you just have to accept that you'll always get a couple of eggs thrown at you but just d- don't don't let the eggs spoil turn them into an omelette
2: I think that's that's so perfect to kind of finalise on as well, and also Ben, the fact that you're so honest about, you know, you still have those insecurities, you still, you know, things still sting. You, you still, even though you've you've achieved so much and done different things, you still feel that you're like, oh well, that still hurts and those things still hurt. No, we really a- a- appreciate it massively.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Ben. It's been really, really interesting. We ask every guest before the end of the show uh, one question. And that is, if you were going to start something completely new tomorrow, perhaps, you know, forget the career you have had or the business you started,
3: what do you think you would start if you could do, rip up the rule book and do anything tomorrow morning? It's a good question. You know, there's so many things I still want to do in life. I think if I could do anything right now, I really, I, I feel... Um, helping people with this mental health epidemic yeah. is something I would love to do. And I know the answer, it's so easy. It's I, I need to get a couple of little remote islands all around the world and I need to somehow set up a business that people don't have to pay because those that have the least need it the most. Yeah. Somehow set, off, set up a series of little um, wilderness therapy islands all around the world where people can just go for a week Uh, to completely cut themselves off from the outside world and to rebuild their inner spirit. And I would love to do that. Sounds amazing. Sign me up.
2: Just quick, I did a TV show uh, called Hunted, which is where you went on the run for two weeks and I did it. And no phones, nothing at all, completely living in a tent. And after 10 days, it was the happiest I think I've ever been. I remember waking up, unzipping the and the sunrise was coming through. And I was sitting with my friend, um, and I think, God, this. And I was there was no connection, there was nothing to it. It was the happiest I've ever been. And what's quite good about that, as you said, is that you know people worry about these kind of things, but actually, it doesn't take that long to rebuild your spirit. And actually, two weeks, week, whatever mm-hmm. it is, it can actually rebuild you. I
3: I I, I think it can be done in a little less yeah. than than the two weeks. I, I I really do think seven days, and people can. Um, find happiness again they, they can find that inner soul that inner spirit so um i i think i have the answer it's just how to actually make it happen
1: fantastic very exciting
2: ben vogel thank you so much for going on move thank, thank you, you so much
3: guys thanks thank thanks. you
1: i told you i told you it's going to be a good one. I, I knew <laughs> it was epic i, I mean, knew it what a guy and what a just what a nice normal bloke to come and talk to. Yeah, it's, it's
2: so nice and so normal. But also what is amazing when you meet a lot of these people, same thing, a lot of successful people have that problem with imposter syndrome. They feel like perhaps they haven't achieved as much as they should have achieved, or perhaps they haven't got to the place and they are, you know, happy where they are. And Ben was saying, he said, you know, he feels like maybe potentially has a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes.
1: I think that's really interesting and amazing as, as we talked about, you know, to To kind of kick things off by saying perhaps he's not that confident. Yeah. I think everybody assumes that people on TV are the most confident. or People out there doing things in, in positions of authority or power or leadership must have that confidence that perhaps, oh, I haven't got that confidence. I can't go and do this. But actually... Maybe you don't need it. Everybody's bluffing. It's all all smoke and mirrors, as Ben said. It totally, you know, Ben has done so much as we spoke throughout the entire podcast. Um, we
2: also want to mention that he's going on tour. Um, he's it's doing true. a 2020 tour. Uh, I
1: think it's called Tales from the Wilderness, um, and he's popping up in cities all over the country. You can go to his Instagram and find out more about that, at Ben Fogel. And we've left the link below in the podcast
2: sort of information bit, so go and check it out
1: there. I mean, when we were doing our research for today, we we looked at... So much. There are so many stories in Ben's life. And I think that 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 show is a good place to go and listen to them because we only touched on probably a third of the things that he's done, if that.
2: You know, what we like to do in the podcast is pick out a couple of points that really resonated with us. And for me, one of the biggest points was you can't achieve success without risk. You have to risk in order to achieve success. I couldn't. Ben said that, which was amazing.
1: And I love the fact that he said that. um, And also his Winston Churchill quote. Definitely. I mean, I think there's, for me, there was lots. I think that he said that he lives by that adage of add life to your days and not days to your life. Yeah. And, and clearly, he is packing a lot of life into his days. Um, busy, busy man, but so many parallels as well, I think, for people that are listening, that are looking to start a business or launched into their next stage of education, whatever it may be, kind of overcoming those fears, conquering that kind of inner voice. Um lots to learn that hopefully you can apply to to life whatever it is you're doing
2: yeah and also if you take anything from this just go out there go and achieve anything you possibly can don't hold back at all just really really go for it ben thank you so much for coming on move it was amazing Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this
1: is Move.